Welcome to Pick Up Your Sticks, where we talk about why gaming matters, with your hosts Brett Lindley and Walker Near. I'm Brett, and this week we have special guest Virgil Wall, aka Knucklecracker, developer of the Creeper World and Particle Fleet games. If you want to support Pick Up Your Sticks, you can buy us a cup of coffee over at our Ko-Fi page, which is ko-fi slash pod. Hey Walker, how's it going this week? Hey, what's going on, man? Doing pretty well. Pretty excited about our guest. Yep, and uh, as we said in the intro, we've got our guest with us, Virgil Wall of Knucklecracker. Uh, welcome to the show. Hey, hey, glad to be here. Really excited to have you. Uh, Walker and I both have sung the praises of the Creeper World uh, games. We only brief- we talked about the Creeper World 4 demo uh, some, mm-hmm. and we yeah. were actually getting ready to record our Creeper World 4 episode because we have both had a chance to really dig into it and, and get to the meat of it. And we decided to reach out to you and see if uh, you would en- enjoy coming yeah. on the podcast for us. So this is our Creeper World 4 episode. So yeah, Awesome. Yeah, I listened to your uh, when you covered the demo. I listened nice. to that podcast. Oh, yeah. cool. Awesome. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Did we do it justice? <laughs> you, you did. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I, I listened intently the whole time. When are they, they going to turn? When's it going to get bad? <laughs> no way, man. Uh, no way. There's nothing bad about those games. No. And I don't say that to flatter you. We, as we've talked on air and, and off, um, just a really, really innovative game. It's just, it, it, I've not played anything else like it. I mean, yet yeah, borrows elements of tower defense or, or real time strategy, but it definitely is uh, is a thing of its own and is super cool <laughs> for that. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Appreciate it. So I'd heard um, in some other interviews and, and podcasts and stuff that you've done that the kind of the origin of the Creeper World idea came from you when you were working with like Flash games yeah. and somewhat out of uh, kind of enjoying building or working with Fog of War mechanics. Do you want to go into kind of yeah. the, that origin? Yeah, yeah, there's a few things that, that went into it. Um, I, I can bore you for a split second. The, the genesis actually began when I was taking a differential equations class in, in, in college a long time okay. ago, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then fast forward, um, and I, I started working on Flash games in the uh, in the late 2000s. I did a game called Chop Raider, Whiteboard War Chop Raider. And it was just a, it was just a toy, a hobby. And um, I wanted to learn this, this new ActionScript 3 language. Um, which uh, Adobe had finally added to Flash. It was a lot like Java, all that good stuff. Um, so I made that game and and it did pretty well with it. I'm like, wow, three months and uh, you can actually make money, a hobby that pays you instead of taking all of your money. Well, imagine that. You know, I have not found one of those yet. <laughs> yeah. You know, well, f- f- flash gaming in the late 2000s and uh, in the early teens was was that if if you if you could make a hobby out of it. Right. Um, so yeah, I had written I had written this game, and then and and then it was successful, and then I started to work on another one. And, you know, you get one success, you want a, you want another. And I worked on a game, and it wasn't that. It, I worked on it for eight months, and I'm like, I'm not. It's just not there. It's not happening. And and part of that game was a fog of war mechanic, and it was set in space. It was like railroad tycoon in space. Okay. Um, but the but there was this fog and you had to clear this fog so you had to shoot these probes into space and whenever they would encounter the fog they would uncover it and I found myself enjoying that mechanic more yeah. than more than the rest of the game um, so I, I thought about how how could I make the fog of war regrow you could just replace it but 
but and then I thought about thought back to the those differential equations, the heat flow through a, a metal plate, uh, how you model that. And I said, aha, if I could figure out how to code that up and make it run fast enough in some sort of container that can run in flash or in the computers of the day, then I can regrow that fog of war. And that that was the genesis uh, of the idea. Uh, uh -huh. That was that was the beginnings of it anyway. That's awesome. Yeah. So so I mean, just for any of our listeners who who maybe haven't had the opportunity to, to, to play Creeper World or aren't familiar with it before we go too far into how it was made and all of that kind of stuff. How would you, as as Knucklecracker, how would you describe Creeper World for someone? You know, it used to be different than it is now. Now I have learned from my audience, and mm -hmm. and I have I have uh, I've allowed them to to conclude for me that it's fighting water. <laughs> <laughs> no. So if, if 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 you want to shoot the ocean. Um, if the ocean is the enemy or the, that, that's, that's, that's how, when I, you know, you check comments uh, on things right. and when people, people try to summarize it and I'm like, that's the most common way it's been described over the years, but it didn't start that way. It actually started, like I said, as heat. It was a, it was a type mm. of heat. And then, and then I, and then I got some negative feedback over this red mass because it was too much like lava or, uh, or right. blood or something like that. And I didn't want a violent game and I didn't want that. Uh, so I was, I'm going to make it blue because there's nothing more passive than blue. And then I'm like, you know what? It's acting like water. It looks like water. I, I guess, <laughs> I guess, it, I guess it is water at this point. It's got the a mechanic, little jelly consistency to it. Yeah. The first games, one, two, and, and three, it was very viscous, right? It was, it was very thick and moved slower. And in four, I added all the wave mechanics and all that. So I just fully embraced the, the fan driven idea that, that it's water and <laughs> added waves. Um, so, so yeah, it's, I don't get too hung up in the, a lot of folks are like, is it strategy? Is it real-time strategy? Is it tower defense? I like, for me, labels, um, labels are only good when they, when they serve a purpose and, and those two don't really serve a purpose for me. It's, it's a game and it's, it's top down, it's real time, but you can pause it and think about it all day if you want. Some people play a frame at a time and press in to frame advance. Yeah, those speed know. runners. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> those, yeah. those one minute maps. Uh, yeah, I, I know. I know. I know there's people, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so much faster than I could imagine. I'm sure they still probably <laughs> spend the same half an hour, 45 minutes that the rest of us do. Or, they're or just longer. pausing. Yeah, you know, you're longer. Their, their real time to game time is a hundred to one ratio. Or right. Yeah. 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 I, uh, I, I've, I definitely found myself in Creeper World Four. Like I, I was talking to Brett about it, and I was like, "Man, I'm taking upwards of an hour on almost every level and he was like yeah i mean that's about where i was too but you can pause more often and i was like you know i never think to pause but you're right <laughs> that is a mechanic mm, mm. yeah 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 it's 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 critical at least for some some maps that folks make and the custom colonies and all that are so yeah. hard you i mean when i play them i have i have to pause and think about it i'm like oh wow i'm not fast enough or quick enough so i just have to right right so that does kind of bring an interesting question as uh, any game that has user generated content, which Creeper World 3 did as well. Um, mm -hmm. How how do you take that as a designer to have built something that is a game, but also contains tools to take that kind of a step further? Yeah. And when you release that to the wild, it's it's out there The the interpretation can change you know, bugs may become exploits that then become new game mechanics. And mm -hmm. how have you seen or felt 
the user generated content experience like how often do user generated maps stump the creator mm-hmm. yeah it's from a from a game design perspective it's something i factor in from the very beginning from concept all the way through to completion it's not something that i i say i'll get to that in six months or a year from now or at the end of the project it's it's as much as part of the game as the rest of the game is hmm. so just like folks that make multiplayer games um they you know they develop it to be multiplayer and then they might develop the story along the way or even add that on at the end uh for for me the user generated maps the missions the map editor those tools are um they get developed of course across the span of time but uh but the whole game is factoring that in from from the very beginning the the game rules itself also also sort of factor that in i, I intentionally try to put in um the core elements but then i know I can leave some elements for exploration by the by the user base, and uh, there are there are things that can even show up in macroscopic time after the release, like a year or two later, that that I, I thought of during development and didn't add, but I stay quiet because I just I just want people to discover it on their own and for it to show right. up from the user community, and um, and hopefully hopefully uh, it, it does. And sometimes it takes a while, but I guess maybe to your to your question, uh, what about the stuff I didn't anticipate? Uh, and yeah, play as creeper and some other modes. I, I, I mean, I thought about the concept, but I didn't think anybody could make it work, but they, but they did, they did. Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah. So, so uh, are there, are there any like things that kind of came out of, cause you, you've been very involved with your community. I followed, I, I, I was kind of active for a little bit and then just kind of stayed quiet in the background, but I followed the entire development that was available of creeper world Four. Uh, discord, the YouTube videos that would drop, I would, I would shoot them over to Walker pretty much every time a new one would Mm. come out be like, Hey, check it out. There's an update, but you've been very involved with the community and taking community feedback and, and helping incorporate things like that. Are there any things that came out of that community focus that were surprising to you or became really core changes to your methodology, either changing something you wanted there that that wasn't or maybe coming up with an idea that you decided to pursue further yeah i i take uh feedback and i don't i don't always reply because you know i I have to work and it's just me and (laughs) the life and all that so i read for every 100 things i read i may reply to one so i know it's Mm -hmm. only a one percent response ratio but I, i try to do what i can but you know folks that post on youtube uh, their comments on the videos and stuff. I, I look at all of them, whether I respond to them or not. But from all of that, absolutely, I do. I do mine ideas, and um, and make course corrections uh, along the way. Of course, at the very beginning, the course corrections, a small one, can really change the ultimate destination. Right? It's like aiming an arrow. It's it's a tiny deflection of the of the hand, and the arrow ends up feet away. And of course, towards the end, it's more about refinements and usability and, and user comfort, that, that sort of stuff. But very early in Creep World 4, um, I knew that I wanted to do a 3D interface and I knew that I wanted a slightly more expansive map. I knew that I wanted waves and there was a number of things that, that I knew I wanted in. But I had imagined a, a vast world. There's no way to simulate this vast, vast, vast world uh, where waves are happening continents away so most of it was a frozen landscape temporarily frozen and there were these beacons on the map and there were these areas of operations you could drift through that world um i tried that out in a youtube video and i thought it was just um it was just awesome and um 
some folks liked it, but a very notable, notably large number did not. I got a lot of feedback on it. And it wasn't all, I hate it, you're terrible. It was, some of it was very thoughtful, very thoughtful. Mm. This is why it's not, not good. And I thought about it and I'm like, you know what? Um, I think it's time for a course correction. Let me, let me try something else and do another video and see, and see how folks respond to that. And, um, so it's, it's not, it's not that I'm trying to develop a game that, you know, that punches a bunch of radio buttons that will, will maximize sales. It's not that at all. It's, it's, I'm looking for reasoned arguments and, and thoughtful feedback that convinces me. That, that I need to try something else. And, and, and I get that a lot from this community and I'm fortunate in that regard, I think, compared to what some other sibling or, or friend developers, the kind of feedback they get right, <laughs> from, their, right. from their community. It just depends on the folks you, your games attract. Yeah, well, so, you know, we're talking about kind of pulling things out of the, the community interaction, but I've, I have a, a separate podcast that I do by myself. And, and on that, I've had the opportunity to interview different types of creative people, authors and, and musicians and, and that sort of stuff. And it's always interesting to hear about their creative process. And I, I'm friends with some writers, so I'm a little more familiar, at least in writing, at least a version of what that can look like. Obviously, it could take on any form, I'm sure. Um, but a lot of times when it comes to my friends, again, that write or, or do music or whatever, the creative process is almost kind of a thing where they kind of go in with an idea that's maybe very loose and then just kind of play around with it and and then new ideas kind of spring from that that they hadn't anticipated and i can kind of get how that works you know with free writing and, and those kinds of exercises but with game development how do you how do you come up with the ideas for these games just mm. the initial premise i mean i've gamed for 30 years and i don't right. i don't have an idea for a game in my head you know what i mean yeah yeah um yeah you're you're right the, uh, the the genesis of some of these ideas is um, it's difficult, and I don't remember which it was. I read one of Malcolm Gladwell's books a few years ago. Mm. I don't remember I don't remember which one, but I, I suddenly felt better after I read the book for the oddest reason, because he was talking about expertise in one area, folks that have have gained some level of expertise in an area, and then when asked to explain how they do what they do, they don't know. Right. They don't, they don't know. Um, they can't, they'll give you some answers sometimes if forced, but you get this varied answer across everybody and you don't get this formula by which you can say, this is what you need to do in order to be, to get the ideas. Um, and, uh, just like with writers and other artists, sometimes you get these, these periods of, I don't know what I'm doing and, or, um, there's this, this desert. And then sometimes inspiration comes for me. Um, the, the best I can say is that, um, uh, is my whole background is is was is computer science, physics, it's analytical type stuff. So I, I look to what what I always viewed as the most magical things in existence, which are algorithms, right? These invisible computational things that spit out these beautiful patterns and uh, these these routines that somehow make all these these crazy inter interactions. So I look I look to that for inspiration. And, and I sort of begin with that. I, I look for an interesting algorithm that produces something weird or, 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 or I think it can. And then I try to build that into the kernel and then work outward, outward from that. Um, so that, and that, that shows up in almost all of my, all of my games, but that, that's just me. That's, that's not how most other people do it. Or, or I don't even know how most other people do it. 
Sure, sure. Yeah, and I didn't I didn't mean for you to I wasn't trying to be like, well, what's the template so we can have printing this. Yeah, yeah. That wasn't my idea as much as just yeah. it's just interesting to hear, yeah, what you're but yeah, that's definitely a unique perspective. I don't think any of my musician friends are writing songs based off of algorithms. So yeah, yeah. you're right, yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe they should. There's yeah. there's some really cool ones. <laughs> apparently, if it leads to Creeper World, then <laughs> <laughs> So um you're kind of history in gaming as far as development uh, has been really interesting where you've gone from like top down you've done I think Creeper World 2 is kind of a side on view mm-hmm. uh, 3 returned back to the top down methodology and 4 is now I believe in Unity correct fully 3D uh, r- right yeah 3 three par- Creeper World 3 part of Fleet and Creeper World 4 they're all Unity oh so Unity. 3 and okay yeah, okay yeah yeah, yeah. yeah that, um, was, that was Creep World 3 was my Hello World in Unity. That was the okay. first thing I did in Unity. Yeah. That's awesome. So that actually probably kind of answers some of my question then of the transition from 2D to 3D. You at least had a foundation that you had been working within Unity to to do a lot of developments. So you're at least familiar right. with the code base. Right. I was I was a lot more familiar after doing Creep World 3 and Particle Fleet. I was more familiar with the uh, anachronisms and the methodologies that are necessary to use Unity. And um, a lot of time had passed too, so Unity's really matured over over yeah. the time. I mean, I, I did development on Creeper Three starting in 2012, mm, and 13, wow. and 14, and then Particle Fleet was 15 and 16, um, and then so by the time 2017 rolled around, it, it matured a lot. That's when Creeper Four development started. Yeah, and I had been a professional software developer for for years before that, just not in the gaming world. So I was. Um, uh, pretty competent, familiar with uh, all languages and tools necessary right. to get to get me going. So outside to to come in and develop a game is is one thing, but I would also like to un, you know get to know a little bit about the the other side, which is that there's probably very few people that I know that make games that don't play them. So mm-hmm. are you an avid gamer outside of your development time? Uh, I don't know. I might be on the left-hand side of that. Oh, really? For, for for you, yeah. I do All not right. play. I do not play a lot of games. Um, now, I, I used to before I started making games. Mm-hmm. I, I played a lot more. Um, uh, I mean, like any kid, uh, I, I played more than my share uh, of of games. <laughs> And all the way into my into uh, into my early young adulthood, teenage years, twenties, and 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 thirties, I played, 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 played. Uh, and I'm glad I did. I'm really glad I did. Uh, hopefully, no parents are listening who are trying to tell their kids right to, to get off the, the console. But I, I'm glad. I'm glad I did that because I have this huge body of knowledge from the '80s and '90s and 2000s video games that I can pull from. So when I when I want to bounce an idea off somebody, I can or they want to bounce one off me, I can say, yeah, okay, that 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 was in this game, this game, and this game, and this is how they varied it, and I played all three, and it was awesome. Um, or not uh but here more recently since i started working on games um for for me it's 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 easier if i if i don't play games and if i do play games if they're if they're very off genre so mm-hmm. i'm not i'm not playing other strategy games or tower defense or, or whatever however they're labeled i will play a first person shooter or something like that something i have no interest in in doing but uh the, the analogy I use to use your musician friends thing is like, um, I, maybe they do. I have no idea if it's possible, but if they're sitting down to write a new song, I don't know that they're going to go listen to other, 
other rock stars while they're doing that. Otherwise that song gets in their head. Right. And I don't want that. I don't want other people's games popping up, um, even subconsciously in, in, in mind. If they do, I want it to be an accident <laughs> that I, I co-invented something. So Which Creeper Roll 5 is not going to be a first-person shooter. Is <laughs> not, not, not for first. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. Well, so um, I guess a, a question that's not, there's no segue to it whatsoever, but Creeper World is very much, you know, an indie type of game. Mm-hmm. Um, and the indie scene is something that, that Brett and I are huge fans of. Um, and we're, while we're not, on the oldest end of this, the gamer spectrum, we're, we're also in our, our mid thirties. So we were, we were playing games when the indie scene really came to pass. Mm-hmm. And when it first started, it was very, very heavily curated and it was, there was a lot of gatekeeper stuff going on. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of went the other direction to where now, I mean, I think game steam's library doubles in size year over year. I mean, I don't know if it's exactly <laughs> that, but it's yeah. something like that. It's fire hose. But mm-hmm. yeah, what is your, and I don't, I don't mean for you to disparage any platform or, you know, Steam or anything like yeah. that. That's not my point. But what are your thoughts kind of on the indie development scene and what it's like to be an indie game de- developer at this point in time? Yeah, I, um, I, I actually wrote my first games in the, um, with any commercial intent in the, in the late 90s as a hobby, right after Java was first released. Uh, that makes me sound like a dinosaur. <laughs> but that's that's sort of when I got started, and that was those were in the days before everybody had broadband, and and there was still I mean, the internet existed then, but but there was still shareware and all that stuff was going on, and there was no people weren't buying things online, so it was not a commercial success, but it was a fun success at least as far as I was concerned. I I really enjoyed it, and then and then I went off and did software development, and then I noticed that there was this flash gaming thing started to happen. Everybody was playing these browser games while they were sitting at work. I was, and I'm like, what, what are we gonna do for lunch? Oh, there's this cool, cool new, you know, flash site. And I'm like, well, what's going on with this? Were people making money? Is this just hobbies? And then I saw folks were making a lot of money. There was a lot of advertisement revenue being pushed through those things and sponsorship deals where um, sites, if you had a good flash game, they would license your game and put their logo in it. And then, and then your game would go out and get played millions of times and advertise their website. So they could, they would pay thousands and thousands of dollars for these licensing deals for flash games that you could, you could roll out in a few months. So for me, that's, that's when I got more interested in it. And that's when the, that's when I noticed that there are people, individuals that are just writing games and there's no gatekeeper for that. Anybody congregate with a K, you know, yeah. that was big at the time, armor games, new sites grounds. like that. Uh, new grounds. Yeah, exactly. Anybody could write whatever they wanted and put it there and nobody could stop them. And if it was good, it could, millions of people could see it. And uh, I said, well, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta get into that. That's, that's just, that's just too good. Um, um, Steam at the time though was still very um, locked down, right? You had to, you had to contact them. You had to have an individual business arrangement with them. There was no uh, the green light program that would come a few years later. And then now anybody with whatever, whatever the fee is, a hundred bucks, can can do it. Um, and I, I ended up working and creating Creep World and Creep World 2 and just direct selling them myself right off my website and then using Flash Gaming as a way to advertise, writing teasers 
uh, for Congregate and Armor Games and whatever that would advertise not someone else who had paid me, but they would advertise my website where you could come and purchase the full version for, for the desktop. Mm. And um, and that was working great. I mean, it was it was weird because normally you had to pay for advertisement, lots of money to run ads. In this case, if I wrote a Flash game, I would get paid to run an ad for my own website. So the Flash game would make money for me. And then people clicking on on my website through the Flash game would come by the full game, and I would make money from that. And and I'm like, this can't last forever. <laughs> this is too <laughs> too good. And then other people started doing it, and then Greenlight came on Steam, and uh, and then other people caught on. You know, during all of this though, the the other thing that was going on were smartphones in 2008 and later the, the iPhone, and that took a lot of. Um, that took a lot of attention. Everybody wanted to jump to that, and it took a lot of developers away from desktop game development. There were still AAA studios making the major titles, but there weren't. All the small indie developers said, well, maybe we'll go make money on, on the iPhone. So there was a period of a good three, four, five years where there just wasn't a lot of, quote, indie competition, mm -hmm. even though things started to open up on, on Steam and it was easier to get in there. Um, that's, as you've noticed, that's started to, to change now. People have noted that there's a lot of money that runs through Steam and there's a lot of opportunity. So you get hundreds of games a day, I guess, right. that, yeah. that, that show up there. Yeah, so now now the new challenge is um, how do you stand out when there's 100 games a day? Yeah. Right. You know, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I it's it's definitely, I mean, it's obviously it's the, the million-dollar question, right? But, um, mm. but I think that, I mean, a game like Creeper World definitely brings such a unique experience that I think it should be <laughs> way more popular than, than perhaps it is. Not that it's unpopular or something, but just right, right. it should be anyone who likes an RTS uh, or, or any or any tower defense. And I know you don't want to put those labels on it. And you're right. It's not either of those. But if either of those are interesting, then they should be checking out Creeper World because there's there's just nothing else like it. And in so many ways, I mean, I. I don't mean to to just completely go off the rails here, but I not only I mean the the, the fluid you know fog of war water yeah. now I guess openly mm -hmm. <laughs> mechanics yeah, right. yeah, yeah. are really neat, but it's not just that like the the way that you have the power generation system with the towers and the way that that also serves as the relay network for materials mm -hmm. and resources like I've literally just not seen another game like that. Mm -hmm. um, I know you talked a lot about playing games in the in the you know you grew up playing a lot of games in the eighties and nineties, but yeah. is there any is, are there any certain RTSs or, or tower yeah. defenses or any strategy game at all that that stood out from back then? That oh yeah, had a heavy yeah. influence. Yeah, yeah. Um, so um, I mean, everybody says this, but I played I played uh, Dune two mm, at, at its yeah. release. And uh, that I'm like, oh wow, that was like one of the, that was a that was a that was a Wolfenstein moment. If you it played was, the very right. first Wolfenstein, like everything is different now. Everything is going to be different after this. Yep. A little company named Blizzard noticed too, and you know yeah. that's when they did Warcraft, uh, right? Uh, and improved on the formula a little bit, and then the Command and Conquer and Total Annihilation. Uh, but if I had to pick two, it'd be Dune Two and Total Annihilation from uh, mm. from from the nineties that that just really stood out is just just masterworks for their day right um even now something like total annihilation still it's still it's aged really well dune 2 hasn't of course because <laughs> you know it was limited by by the technology at the time and right. 
right. resolution. Think, just think about it, 320 by 200. That's what, <laughs> that's what this game is. It's a tiny square now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Cell phone could have four or five of those easy right, right, across right. the top. Just, all running at the same. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, that's, that's interesting. Yeah, I, I really liked uh, Total Annihilation mostly because, again, a lot of games like your Age of Empires and even your Warcraft – all were very focused on the resource gathering and the worker management and total annihilation was just mass and energy. Yeah. And yeah. if you get high enough level, they become each other. Like you can switch mm -hmm. one for the other and removing the resource management, I thought was put so much more focus and emphasis on the strategy. Mm -hmm. and you're not just defending your workers until you have a big enough army to attack the other person's workers. You're really dealing with strategic movements of units and unit-to-unit -unit interactions a lot more, which I think is something that I also believe benefits Creeper World a lot, is that resource management is important, but it's not you have to select 10 workers and send them to go mine. <clears throat> right, right. That's not as important. It's not, a, it's not an intended focus. Of the, of the gameplay loop you're exactly right for for creeper world i wanted something sort of like that which ended up being a production versus production type type deal just like in total annihilation the enemy has its resources and you can you, you if you look around you can tell what his productive capacity is and you have yours so then it becomes a matter of how you employ those and if you're in the if you're in a deficit you have to uh, employ superior strategic and tactical maneuvers in order to overcome your deficit of, of production. Uh, for, for Creep World 4, it's, it's similar. When I was looking for an economic model for, for the game, I knew I, I wanted something that essentially was a was almost like a digital human version of what the Creeper is. You're that The green area that is, you're expanding it in the same way the Creeper does. Ah. Um, so there's a, there's a symmetry there with that. And you can quickly look at the map. There's no fire war. That's always been that way on purpose. And you can you can see the enemies and where they are, and you can see the topography. Um, but there's a fun element to realizing where the valleys and the hills are and where the safe areas might be, and then guesstimating how long it's going to be before an area floods over, and then how much land can you take. And at that at that point, it becomes production versus production. You know, the emitters and what they're doing. Uh, you know, you know, ignoring special events and stuff right. like that. Um, and in the beginning, in a lot of maps, you're at this huge disadvantage because the productive potential of the creeper is so much greater you have to use the terrain and bottle up and try to keep your your perimeter as small as possible delay engaging the creeper to build up your infrastructure as much as possible at the beginning all those sorts of things um so yeah when i when i look at the game i, I try to look at it from a geometric position like how big is the front when am i shooting what damage are my are my weapons doing and uh, those, those all play into the, the strategies so that's where the economic aspect comes from but you're right it goes all the way back to seeing that sort of production versus production and total annihilation which was different than it was in command and conquer and and due to and early, earlier games yeah it's something that i've always really loved is the fact that in I think it's almost every mission in four and certainly many of them in three, uh, if not close to all of them was just that you get to pick your base location. Like there's kind of, there's plenty of levels that have an obvious, you should probably start here. It's a, a round section of land on top of a mountain, mm -hmm. really close to some resource nodes, but leaving it open for things like we kind of briefly mentioned speedrunners. Mm -hmm. to say that may be the optimal way to play the map in like a story mode 
but there may be some edge case scenario where you want to start really close to a slowly emitting enemy to take them out quick or something mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. And giving the player the opportunity to put their base wherever they want and start the game however they want and let them learn. They, they can learn the, how to best get their own tactical advantage, whether that's through the kind of laid out path that's kind of set in the map or through their own way to play. I think that's just a really great way to handle a single player campaign and not a lot of games offer you any kind of flexibility in that, especially in a strategy game kind of scenario. Yeah, uh, some of those uh, some of those forward starting positions were even a surprise to me uh, during uh, during beta testing. Uh, but you're exactly right. A lot of maps have uh, what I internally sort of call the forward position, where either by foolishness or or pride, people try it. Right? Sometimes <laughs> people don't know any better, and then they and then they they get their tail handed to them, and then other people are like, "I can take it. I can start there," uh, and they do. Uh, and then there's and then and then there's sometimes you know there's usually the sort of the this is where you can start if you want to play it sort of safe, yeah, right. So obviously you know you're you're the the developer on this, but are then are you responsible also for the art, the music, the writing, all of it, or do you do you outsource any of those? Elements? The, the, the music, the music, I always outsource. Okay. Uh, uh, so no. Uh, so yeah. Um, and this last time was a, a young guy named Connor Short who did the uh, music. Um, he did the, he did some trailer music for me for particle fleet. Mm. I think he was 14 when he did it. So we're talking a, a one of these, uh, savant type prodigy right. type music is just in his being type, type deal. Um, and, um, art, it just depends. Um, uh, art's never been sort of the strong point of the games. So I, I sort of start with a, with a information density idea first and then high contrast visuals and it's got to be functional and then work back from that to a, a level of minimum comfort let's call it <laughs> um uh but i do outsource some art sometimes it just it just depends yeah like any kind of still art portraits or background art yeah that, mm. that, re that requires uh you know some real artistic stuff modeling and stuff like that it's a, it's a mix because i don't have sophisticated models in creeper rule 4 the enemy models were outsourced um and the the unit models uh were just things i did because they're, they're low poly it's not, not a problem it's more about contrast and visibility than it is about beauty so so definitely it could be said then i'm, I'm guessing that in creeper world 4 that the change to the more fully 3d and you know world or whatever you want to call it is is to for gameplay mechanic reasons not not really aesthetic reasons is that is that fair or is it a mix now, um it's it's a mix but I knew that the gameplay uh, elements would would be the primary reason. If it if it was only going to be this will be a better screenshot, then I, I wouldn't have done it. I wouldn't have mm -hmm. been able to. Um, whatever I work on, I have to have an interest myself first, right? I have to live. I have to play the same game for eight to twelve hours a day for a few years, right? Uh, every day. So you have to love the game yourself. At least at least for me, I do. I, I can't work on it if I don't want to work on it. So. There needed to be something new coming out of the, the, the switch to 3D as much as possible. Uh, and if it also produced a more appealing screenshot as a side effect of that, then that's awesome. Uh, but that, that wasn't the leading reason. It, it, in the end, it ended up being both. Yeah, uh, it, it does. It does show better uh, in, in trailers and, and screenshots. But it, it was really all gameplay was the, the main consideration. 
Yeah, and that's something that we end up both kind of focusing on really admiring in uh, a lot of games, and especially this one and the whole series really. And Particle Fleet as well, if if there are people that are fans of Creeper World and haven't played Particle Fleet, it's good. <laughs> yeah, can you but, guys actually talk about that a bit? Yeah, I don't so, know anything about it. Yeah, yeah, Particle Fleet is a space style kind of in the same, I guess, quote-unquote RTS kind of genre um, where you are dealing with, instead of a flood of a creeper, it's these little particles and effects. And you, instead of building a static base, you have a very mobile fleet of ships that you can outflit with different turrets and weapons and things to then take the fight kind of to the enemy. I see. And it's a, it's a really, it's got a lot of fun... You can control your own particles in later missions. You get particle emitters of your own, so you can kind of aim them and and work with those kind of particle versus particle mechanics, as well as just different type, building different fleet ships. Each of them have a role, a purpose, kind of a function, and keeping your supply chains, you know, built and fueling your ships and moving them, your fleet to respond to an enemy threat. Uh, kind of similar to Creeper World that you have, you know, your whole map exposed so you can make strategic decisions, you know, kind of all at once. But it really is, I, I really enjoy that game as well. And I think that it is really interesting that a lot of developers do tend to lean towards, uh, you know, like you kind of said, the screenshot is what gets the views mm -hmm. sort of thing. But mm -hmm. Walker and I both are very much mechanically focused and love seeing the deep mechanics in games and i think that's something that i really appreciate out of everything that i've seen you put out so far is just so much focus on player freedom player choice and then good solid mechanics i don't think there's ever been a, an interaction in any of the games that i've played yeah. that didn't react how i thought it should or would and so when I had something called a mortar, I knew what it was going to be. And when I put it down, it acted exactly how I thought it would. Mm. And I've, I've never been caught off guard, you know, in some way like, oh, that that sounded like a cool mechanic because it had cool artwork and then worked weird. Right, Instead, right. Yeah. it's it's there's a very unified art style. Things look good and they do exactly what they say on the tin. Mm. Yeah. Um. And a lot of that comes just because it's me, <laughs> right? It's, um, and, uh, I've, I've always, for, for me, working on these games has always just sort of been, um, like working on a painting. I'm not going to have three other people painting on the same canvas at the same time I am. Uh, now that limits the scope of what I can do, but it doesn't have to limit the, I don't know the right word for it, but it doesn't have to limit the, 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 the goal that I'm trying to achieve. I, I can put what I want to on my canvas and I hopefully can achieve that on a small individual canvas. I don't have to paint the ceiling of a church uh, in, in order to do it. Um, so I don't need other people helping. Um, so a lot of it comes from that. Um, I, I think that that I work on these things mostly mostly alone and some of these ideas come from that. But uh, but I also do intend for, for, the, for that to be the case uh, because I have my preference in what I like out of games, and I, like you said, I never, I never like the false advertising either. Where the, uh, where it looks awesome here, the intro is awesome, and you're like, oh, that that unit's going to do this, and you get in there, and it's completely different, uh, and uh, and you can see why it would be, because they wanted to, they wanted to build it up what it could do, but then there was this, 
this ugly reality of what was actually implemented, what could be implemented. And there was this divorce or disconnect between marketing and, and designers and, and developers. Um, that same problem exists in all areas of software, not just games. <laughs> so, so I had, I had my share of experience with, uh, with other software and software feature sets where the advertisement doesn't really match the reality. And, uh, a lot of that, a lot of times that breakdown comes in from organizations mm. or sales versus it. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I didn't want to say it, but yeah, <laughs> I will, I will, <laughs> I'll say it. <laughs> So, you know, you described earlier that you're not really much of, an, of, a, of a gamer now, or, or if so, it's, it's just mm. certainly off genre. But what about other types of, of games? Do you do tabletop gaming? Do you play card games? You know, Dungeons and Dragons type of thing? Do you, any, any sort of influence like that? Yeah. Um, so, so, yeah. Um, the, um, you know, I've got a son, and he's young, so tabletop gaming, and uh, we're, we're going through that. So games like Carcassonne and mm. uh, Ticket to Ride and, and, yes. and all, all those, that that awesome style of game, which has become available for his childhood, that wasn't there uh, for me, uh, or at least I was unaware of some of the of European gaming-type systems um, and some that were only, only developed in the 90s and later. Uh, so yeah, uh, I do that when, you know, not, not like every night, but, but periodically, yeah, we do, we do some of those and, um, and you know, they're awesome. Uh, and you look at what some folks do in, in tabletop gaming and the constraints, they, they have these really tight constraints. It's not resolution and, and how many cores and, and shaders for the GPU. That's not their constraints. Their constraints are people's time operating in real time. And not everybody wants to sit down and play something that's going to take four hours and six people to do it right so you have families with two people three people or four people and the parents want to put an hour into it and the kids want to put more <laughs> and you have to fit a game into that so these tile-based games like uh like carcassonne and stuff like that i'm like this is just absolute genius because mm. the unlike and this isn't to disc monopoly but unlike <laughs> a game like monopoly right where there's you spend all your time counting money and and all this and and then the, the companies have come along and tried to tried to speed that up of course by making electronic versions and credit cards for it now and all that and i'm like well that's not okay if, and then and then there's the ipad versions and and all that but i'm like okay if we're gonna play a video game we'll play a video game there's, there's awesome video games <laughs> right. but if we want a physical sit around a table experience um uh yeah those tile-based games like carcassonne are, are awesome or even ticket to ride where the the administration the human administration is minimized and the, and the strategy and the gameplay and the pacing is maximized I, I yeah i love those yeah there's a surprising amount of like carcassonne is definitely a game that's easy to jump into and then the strategy just keeps building greater and greater the more you start understanding the more you play carcassonne yeah. Yeah. the more really wild things that you can do with with city building and <laughs> Yeah, 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 and the way the way uh, what is it the farmers work in the area mm -hmm. and the sales and I'm like I'm like wow what a what a brilliant way to take a, a what would normally be a computer algorithm and put it and put it into the game on the table for people to calculate. Uh, yeah, just just yeah, yeah, good stuff. <laughs> so you mentioned earlier, you know, you, you spend sometimes up to eight to twelve hours a day, but yeah. working on these games. So I guess kind of a two-part question. I mean, A, how long does it typically take you to complete a game from, from inception to end? And then what kind of break do you need after, <laughs> after right, you've right, been yeah. married to a game like that? Yeah, so this is the after. I'm in the after, right? Creeper okay. 4 released on December 3rd. 
Um, so I'm what, two months, two and a half months, uh, yeah. after right now. So yeah, you can see a, a pattern here. The very first flash game I did chop Raider, I did in three months part-time at night while I was working a regular day job. So between nine and 11 at night, three months, that's where chop Raider came from. Um, Creeper World 1 took a grand total of six months for the core game and then three months more for the editor. Mm. So under a year. And that was also part-time, 9 to 11 at night. Um, Creeper World 2, very much the same. A little more than a year because I had to work out some new game mechanics. Again, part-time at, at night. Uh, it was just my hobby. Um, and and then, and then I said, oh, I'm going to do this full-time. So Creeper World 3 was a full-time activity for me. Um, so I had to learn a new engine, new tools, uh, develop an, an, a more expansive game concept. Uh, that game uh, took uh, about two, two and a half years uh, for me to, to develop, but that was full-time. So that was a big jump. That was a big, a big increase in, uh, in amount of time put in. Particle Fleet was two to three years as well. And then Creeper World 4 was right at four years. Oh, wow. Yeah. Now, it was originally supposed to be three. And that four um, is, this is the other advantage of working alone and and being an indie. Uh, a good year, it, it didn't all happen in one continuous chunk, but a good year of that was me exploring other other concepts and ideas along the way to see if, if there was something I wanted to pursue in some, some are pay dirt, most aren't, right? You just try things. You go off for three weeks, explore an algorithm, explore a rendering technique, and like, no, it's not going to work. Let me get back to work now. Uh, or, yeah, 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 that that that's awesome. Um, so a good a good year of that was was just experimentation and uh, just sort of going with the flow. And it's like when you watch guys, if you go to YouTube and watch people model, mm. and you see these beautiful 3D models that they create at the end. You're like, but then you watch how they did it, and you're like. Well, that's not what they started out intending. They just sort of, they, they drew a head and then, okay, yeah, 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 I'm going to go with that. So it was, an, it was an interactive, it was a back and forth, a negotiation between the art and the artist. Hmm. Uh, and it produced this beautiful result. So I, for, I, I allowed too much time in Creep Rule 4. I really, I really did. It should have been 25% of the total time budget, but it was. And uh, that hopefully is, is partially at least reflected in the game. Uh, next game, whatever I work on next, uh, you know, I want to I want to tighten that up a little bit. I don't want to I don't want to invest uh, four years. That's too long <laughs> for one person to to invest. Because uh, with with indie gaming, you don't get paid until you ship a released product, and then right. you have to hope it's successful to pay for all that time that you put into it. So I have four years full time work put into it, um, and uh, that investment of time uh, you have to you have to get back. So the so the in between what happens after, um, for for Creep World Four there was almost no downtime. I knew that I was going to do another Creep World game and it was going to be a follow up to Creep World Three, so I, I got to work immediately and it became researching various topics. How would the waves work? How would the rendering work? Where do the where do the cannons shoot when it's in 3D? What do you shoot at? Right. The top, middle, bottom. How do you figure that out? What works from a gameplay perspective? It, all of those little details that nobody even thinks about or even thinks to ask me about, they all had to be solved one one at a time. So I immediately, immediately got to work um, with that. Now, though, I'm on that 
on my TikTok schedule where I do some sort of weird game in between. Uh, I'm on I'm on the weird game. Okay. So uh, so now I'm I'm looking and exploring various algorithms and ideas, looking for something that I think some piece of math that I think I can trick people into playing as a game. That's <laughs> that's, is, that's, is, that's essentially what I'm looking for. I feel like this is almost probably a given, but is Conway's Game of Life like a, a big inspiration for you? Yeah, it, it 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 is. So yeah, when I was a kid, when I was a teenager, I was sitting around programming, and I wrote all these simulations. And Game of Life uh, was one of them. You know, every kid who programs would code that up in Java or whatever, and or Python now, I guess, is the the thing. And in my day, it was Basic or Pascal or yeah. I, or C. I learned it in ZZT. So yeah, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so G- game of life, there was, uh, core wars, okay, uh, yep. uh, was, was a, you know, the, the coding game where you write little self-replicating code that copies itself through memory imps and anti imps and anti imp imps and, and all of that. That's, uh, that was, uh, uh, that was an inspiration to a sailor automata in general, anything that evolves through a grid, uh, has always been a fascination to me. And, and I did some early stuff. This is before the new wave of AI. Did some early uh, neural feedback type simulations that were also uh, that were also very interesting. Uh, and you know, there were games back then in the that began everything from Populous to SimCity. The Genesis. Populous was the... really that. Yeah. I've seen one other take on Populous. Uh... But I've not seen something like Populous really brought into kind of the modern genre, mm-hmm. and I think that's a that's an untapped resource there. I, I think it is. Yeah, the, the the beauty of that sort of game is not just that you're raising and lowering terrain; it's that the the characters you're not in direct control of them, right? You're you're almost this side participant, and uh, they have their own lives and their own little tribal war going on and you're just helping one side versus the right. other that that's almost the, the anti real-time strategy instead of clicking on every individual thing and moving it in a, in a tactical pattern you're not doing that at all you're just sort of controlling the resources that that are available for the people that that, that you're helping and that, that that game was way ahead of its time like you said it's oh yeah it's been miles a... the original populace yeah. was that's like dos three or four like that's that's quite a ways back yeah, yeah, I think I played it on. Um, I, uh, I don't guess I'm telling a story here. I think it was the Amiga version of that, that that I played. Yeah, yeah, and SimCity, the very yep. first SimCity. Yeah, I think that would be. I don't know. That seems like, like you kind of mentioned the the interest with neural networks really becoming mm-hmm. very popularized. I think having some kind of meta management between the neural, like managing the neural net, but not necessarily the results i think there's a lot of gameplay potential in that as well mm-hmm. yeah but, there might be yeah yeah so you've had a lot of history we we know you're on the weird game now so i'm i'm here <laughs> to hear and watch i i do want to say i really appreciated and loved how open you were with your youtube videos on creeper world 4 i think that that's such a great thing to see um, if anybody wants to see things that didn't make it all the way, there's a few mechanics and a few structures and items that you showed off in your development series that, that for one reason or another, or either changed, improved, or cut from, from the final game. And I think that that amount of honesty and development and creative expression is really great to see in a kind of a public sphere so that people can see what goes into 
you know, whether it be a monthly update or weekly or whatever, kind of how it's made. So I think that's a great thing for people to check out. Um, I do want to ask, you know, before we, you know, get to wrapping anything up is something that we really try to focus in on, uh, in general. And this question means different things to every person and everybody kind of is free to do with it what they want, but we really try to explore the concept of in the, in the world, in your life, in, you know, society in general, uh, why does gaming matter to you? Yeah. So, um, you know, for for me, that's and this will this will sound dismissive, but it's not. So I'll, I'll explain. It's like asking a fish why it finds water important. Um, it's it's just um, you can't imagine a world without it. I mean, ask a fish to describe the desert, and no no idea. I mean, it's something that has sort of been omnipresent its entire existence. Um, it. Yeah, provides and supports the very framework in which it thinks. For for me, um, I was I was sort of the first generation that grew up with, with video games. So, um, you know, there were generations before us that television was new, right? And then the generation before them might have asked, "Why do you find television important in your life?" And now it's just so pervasive the whole concept of uh, of, of gaming that. Um, most people couldn't, they just can't imagine a reality w- without it. And it, the line between what is gaming and, and not gaming, it, it just blurs more and more every day. The line between gaming and art was blurred really decades ago. It's completely blurred now. The line between traditional uh, entertainment like movies, film, uh, television, and, and gaming, it's, they, they, they intermingle completely. And gaming is even a bigger industry, right, than 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 film by some measurements anyway um and even when it comes to individual expression as as a way of uh of of art some some people can sculpt some can 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 mold some can paint some can play an an instrument and in my view some people can code and they can get their their inner that that's that's my brush a lot of folks don't see it that way but i i I do For, for for me um, the ideas that I want to bring to life, the same as an artist who wants to put it on canvas, wants to bring it to life. For me, it's about solving a particular algorithm, getting it to run fast enough, showing it on the screen, and getting people to interact with it. That that loop for me um, is a, is a type of self-expression. Um, so yeah, I, I I almost can't see a world with, without gaming. Uh, almost to the point where the word gaming has almost become meaningless. Just like the word water means nothing to a, a fish. It's just everywhere. It just it just is. Um, I know earlier generations don't see it that way because it's a new it's it, it's still a thing that wasn't there for them their entire lives. But for for newer generations, it's it's been omnipresent. So uh, and as as such, it's part of our culture. It's part of people now. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, that's that's definitely the probably the most unique answer uh, that I've heard <laughs> given yeah. for that, but um, it's very but, true though. I mean, no, it is. Yeah. And I, 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 I definitely, um, I'm not a coder myself, but I, I have friends that, that, you know, mess with it and whatever. And to me, it, it seems like it very much is almost this marriage of, of hard, hard science isn't the right word. Yeah, but, yeah. Engineering, you know, yeah. engineering. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and creativity because, you're using math effectively and logic, right? But the problems don't have 
clear solutions. So that's where the creativity comes from. And maybe you and I, again, I'm not a coder and I'm sure I couldn't code with you in any capacity, but <laughs> assuming that we both had similar skill sets or something like we might see the same problem and come up with totally different ways of solving it that maybe both accomplish that, but it's not achieved in the same way. Um, yeah, I remember yeah. reading an article years ago now about Doom 3 and how it was a PC Gamer article and it was just an ode to how beautifully written the code of Doom mm -hmm. 3 was. Mm -hmm. uh, and I that just at that time, I had no concept of that being a thing. And it just really struck me as like, huh, there, there, there is a lot more art to this than especially in such seem. a bad game, yeah. like, <laughs> like such, such extreme, exquisite beauty behind the scenes of something so terrible on the front. Side. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. You could see the you could see the algorithms behind it almost. You could just feel the 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 awesomeness of the engine. Right, right. And yeah, waiting yeah. waiting to be in someone else's artistic hands. There you go. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, Virgil, we really, really appreciate you taking the time to, to join our show. Um, again, the, as the developer, Knucklecracker is, is the name. Um, we've talked about, of course, throughout the episode that the game your, your games are available on Steam. Is there anywhere else that you would like people to either go to connect with you or to, to purchase the games? Steam's the main place. Crew 404 okay. is also available on GOG or GOG. I've never yep. figured out how to say it which one, <laughs> one they prefer. Uh, um, so Creeper 4 is also there, but Steam is uh, is 95, 98% of, of folks getting on Steam. They, they can also be direct purchased at, at knucklecracker.com. That's mostly for the folks who, uh, that's just me helping folks who don't want to purchase it from one of the other stores. Um, sure. But most folks are on Steam. And um, there's a, the Knucklecracker Discord, so folks can uh, can reach me on there and then and then see what the latest updates are. For instance, the Creeper 4 beta, which will be the release for the next next update, it's been in beta for the last month, and I usually daily post stuff on there about what I've done and, and how to get access to the beta and all, all that sort of stuff. So uh, so yeah, that, that's how to reach me now. Okay, awesome. Well, again, folks, if you if you haven't got it through your heads already, Creeper World 4 is super awesome. Please go check it out. Uh, and Virgil, thank you again so much for your time, man. We really appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Thank you. It's been fun. Well, that's all for our episode today. If you like this episode, consider buying us a cup of coffee over at ko-fi.com slash P-U-I-S-Pod, or just tell a friend about us. It really does make a difference. All of our links and social accounts are available in the show notes. And if you'd like to hear more from either of us outside of gaming, my other podcast, The Walk Show, talks about the walk of life while interviewing various guests, and Brett's podcast, Dungeons & Dinners, is where the love of fantasy is food for thought. <laughs>